Let's get this W on three. One, two, three. to the W Podcast, hosted by Princess and Love. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the W Podcast, and you are now tuned in to episode eight. My name is Lo, and I'm here with my beautiful, amazing co-host, Princess. Say what up to everybody. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode eight. So as you guys may know, this weekend is the WNBA All-Star Weekend, and there is so much to tell you guys, so much information we want to share, we want to give our opinions, our predictions, and also recap a little basic information that I think everybody should go into the game knowing. So we're just going to go straight for the jugular, and let's just get right into it. So this weekend, the All-Star Game will be at the Key Arena in Seattle, Washington, which is home of the Seattle Storm. And... We're starting off with the starters. So a couple episodes back, we kind of made our predictions as to who we think is going to be on the roster, who may be the reserves, things like that. So the official uh, starters list and reserves list and replacements have been announced thus far. And we're going to start off with the starters. So for the East, do you want to share who the starters are? Yeah, so for the starters, I am really excited. We have a lot of MVPs among these starters. Actually, half of all the starters are MVPs, former MVPs. So what I would do is start off with the West. We have Sue Bird, who is tied with her 10th All-Star starting selection. She's tied with Tamika Catchings for the most all-time in the WNBA, as well as we have Diana Taurasi, a former MVP, Maya Moore, a former MVP, Candace Parker, two-time former MVP, um, and as well as Sylvia Fowles. She hasn't been named MVP yet, but this is her fourth WNBA All-Star selection. Um, and of course, is now getting the start for the front court position. As well as in the East, we also have a few first-timers. Tiffany Hayes, this is her first All-Star selection, and she's also had a starter from the Atlanta Dream. Jasmine Thomas, an All-Star starter uh, for the first time. Um, after seven years in the WNBA, uh, out of Connecticut Sun, as we all know, they're rolling right now. Elena Della Don, who was initially picked, um, and like I mentioned, we do have a few swaps to put in there. We'll talk a little bit about that later. But we also have Tina Charles, who was a former MVP, and John Quill Jones, who in her sophomore season, this is her first All-Star selection, but we know this will not be her last because she is steady rolling. For the reserves for the Western Conference, Simone Augustus got voted in along with Skylar Diggins-Smith, who will be holding down the guards, with Chelsea Gray as well from the Sparks. Um, Brittany Griner from the Mercury got voted in. However, she will be replaced, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, um, as well as Brianna Stewart from the Storm. And rounding it off is MVP Neka Ogunike from the Sparks. So definitely a great group of girls. I would say the East has a little bit more uh, fresher first time or second time uh, all-stars versus the West that have a couple ladies that have been down this road a couple of times before. So who do you think is going to take it all the East or the West? 
I'm not sure because when we look at the East reserves, you have Lasia Clarendon from the Dream at the guard, Stephanie Dolson, who's really coming into her own out of Chicago, Candace Dupree, an, who has been an elite player, now in Indiana making some moves, trying her best to kind of keep them above water. Allie Quigley, Alyssa Thomas, the third Connecticut Sun player to be voted, and Elizabeth Williams, who I believe is going for a defensive player of the year with all these crazy blocks. They're a solid squad. You pretty much know everybody on the Western team because, to be honest, a lot of the, the lights are on them, spotlights on them. Thinking the East can give the Western run for their money. So I'm going to shoot for the underdog in this position. And I'm going to say the East. I'm actually going to say the West. I think the West is just stacked. Like, they what, are just stacked, man. Like, what's on paper? You got to really look at how it all comes together. On paper, yeah, they smacking, they smacking guys. Yo, their entire starting lineup is a full Olympic roster. Like, I can't, like, it's, they're too stacked. I'm sorry. Oh, let me just vote for the underdog. I always normally vote for the underdog, but this time I'm going to rock with the with the surefire. I think it's going to be the West. Now, like you said, I think they're, they're going to give them a run for their money. It seems like a little bit more younger players as well, too, in the East are so definitely going to give the West some some heat, but I think they're going to come out on top. That, that starting lineup and as well as the reserves – too many uh, seasoned, seasoned young ladies on that team. So you're right. I'm kind of playing myself right now. No, it's okay. We want you know who the best team win. How about that? No, well, this is competition. We really gonna have a winner. There's got to be a loser. Um, now that I'm looking back at that roster, this is literally an Olympic roster with a reigning MVP and four links players. What am I talking about? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sorry, East. And since we, we haven't mentioned who the replacements are, Rebecca Brunson will be replacing Brittany Griner because Brittany Griner is out due to some injuries that she sustained over the past week. So Rebecca Brunson will be taking over. So now you have the entire Lynx starting five except for Lindsay Whalen on this team. Like, really? And you know, and Cheryl Reeves, the coach, you know she's going to have all four of them on the floor at the same time. And then probably have Chelsea Gray at point or Skylar at point or Sue at point. There's so many options you can have there. I don't know what the East is going to do. The East coach, Kurt Miller, who's actually subbing in since we're talking about um, substitutions here. For Bill Lanebeer, prayers go out to his family. His wife contracted a virus and has been a little ill. So he's taking the time to handle that family situation. But Kurt Miller, who right now... His team has the best record in the East. He got the honorary vote in as uh, Bill Lanebeer's replacement for the Eastern coach. Very impressive, Kurt. Very impressive. When we talked about injuries, we got to talk about last week. What in the world was in the water in the WBA? It seemed like everybody went down. Brittany Griner has um, multiple injuries, uh, leg injuries. Elena Deladon won't be playing in the game like we mentioned. Sugar Rogers is coming in for her. Jasmine Guafney from the Indiana Fever went down. Taylor Hill tore her ACL. She's out for the rest of the season. It was really a rough week for injuries in the WNBA. And it all happened kind of in the same night. Did you mention that Shanice Johnson also from Indiana tore her ACL? Did you just mention that? No, I've mentioned Taylor Hill tore her ACL. I forgot about Shanice Johnson. Yeah, in the same game. So it was Elena Deladon got hurt in the game. Taylor Hill got hurt for Washington playing Indiana. Jasmine went down and Shanice. Say our prayers to everybody who got injured. I hope for a quick, speedy, and thorough recovery. 
but yeah, it was kind of weird. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's everyone, you know, people in their teams are trying to push before the all-star game to kind of, you know, have a better record or get, or I don't know what it is, but it was just like, what's going on? I know a couple of, I think one, I want to say may have been Mariah Jefferson. I read had a, a concussion. So I just hope these ladies continue to take care of yourselves. Just come back healthy and stronger than ever, you know, especially the ACL tears, because those are scary. Oh, yeah. You know, those are and, those those can break somebody's spirits for real. And don't forget Ariel Powers. She kind of had like a freak injury in practice. Um, she was dealing with some uh, some injuries. I think she had surgery on both of her hips. And then oh. once she got healthy, she was practicing again and hurt her ankle in practice. So she's out for another month, I think. Another thing that is kind of the downside to the season so short. So when you have someone missing three to four weeks, they're practically missing a third, fourth, you know, a, a good chunk of the season. If someone's out, if someone gets injured right now and they're out for four weeks, they're not coming back probably until the playoffs. If your team makes playoffs. Right. And that could be a huge hit too, or a deciding factor in whether a team does make the playoffs. But you mentioned time until we talk about Let's transition back into the All-Star weekend. It really is just a short weekend, probably about a good four days of rest that they have. And so there's been a, a floating discussion going around if conferences still matter when it comes to the All-Star game. And this discussion came up because of the new playoff format in which there isn't really a best of the East and a best of the West. It's just the best teams, um, the best eight teams at this point who – square off for a chance to win a championship. And so people are thinking, well, why don't we just take the best 22 players rather than have 11 from the East and 11 from the West? So I wanted to ask you, what do you think are some pros and cons of getting rid of conferences and making just like a team blue, team white, team, however you want to name the two teams? But I don't know, like for me, when I thought about this question, I was just like, so what are you going to call the teams? You know what I mean? Like team white versus team blue, team orange versus team green. Like I think East and West still stands because a lot of these fans are fans because they're from that city. You know, people that live in LA are proud because they're from LA. They love the Sparks because they're in their city. They're proud to be from the West Coast. You know, people from Dallas, they're proud to be from the South. People from the shy, from New York, are proud to be in the North and in the East. Like, so I don't personally, I guess, from a fan standpoint, I would want it to stay East and West because people root for teams, not only because of a favorite player, but because that's the that's the city you're putting on for that city. You're representing that city when you're in the All Star game, as well as your team or yourself or whatever it may be. That's a good point. And I love that you always account for the fans' perspective and the fans' input in the conversation. And my thought, just going a little bit further, is, okay, I guess there could be a pro, like you mentioned, fluidity across. If you're going to be – you're going to do it with conferences in the playoffs, why have them stand in the All-Star game? Mm -hmm. My question is, what if the top 22 players are all post players? You know, this is just hypothetically speaking, maybe in the next three years from now, if you were to right. implement this in the best 22, there are no guards. There are, or there are 
four guards and the rest are all front court players. I mean, you, ne- you just never know how that can change. Where would the balance be? So then we would start talking about who was snubbed, who was this, who was that. It would make a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. And if you were to try to build a team, 18 front court players and four guards, we know that's not going to work. You know, there has to be some sort of structure there versus let's just take the best of the best and have them play each other. It's got to be some structure. So I say keep the conferences standing and a lot like you do. But I just I saw it on Twitter and I thought it was something that we had to discuss. Um you know, for all-star and going forward. Because, I mean, there's a lot to expect. We have not just the replacements, which is really big. We have the replacements on both sides, one on the West, one on the East. Like you mentioned, we have a stacked team out West. But we also have a budding and a growing team coming from the East, a lot of young talent there. It's really interesting to see it unfold. So I'm really excited for Saturday just to see exactly how that competition matches up. Another thing that I just thought about from the fan perspective Two is fans want to see their favorite player. Um, fans tend to gravitate. Just, okay, just because a player may not be the best player at the time of the top 22 players doesn't mean it may not be a popular player. I'm going to use the NBA as an example. NBA All-Star Game, even though Carmelo Anthony isn't one of the top, uh, considered a top 10 player in the league right now, he's still one of the most popular players in the league. You know what I mean? So yeah. maybe their performance may not be up to par, but from a fan perspective, they're always going to vote for that. Per- like Kobe Bryant was getting voted in to the all-star game till his very last year. And we all know at the end of his career, he didn't play all that great. You know what I mean? So for, to bring it back to the W, I think that's also something to consider as well. Um, when you when you just mentioned about the top 22 players, you know, it might be post, majority post players because basketball kind of changes a little bit with time. Like you always kind of go through ebbs and flows and, you know, it might be a kind of a guard heavy league and it might be a post player heavy league, you know, a couple of years later or whatever. So that's why I wanted to add to that and just say like, you know, there are some players in the WNBA that may not be, at the top of their game or haven't been at the top of their game over the past couple of years, but they are the most one of, you know, one of the more recognizable faces, more popular players, favorite players of fans. Right. And how can we not account for the fans? I mean, it was 600,000 fans that voted this year in all-star voting a half a million. That's really a lot. And, you know, for people to kind of do the, nobody watches the WNBA talk. That's a big number for you there. So, and then of course that counted for 50% of the voting. So a really heavy piece that the, the fans get there. And like I said, I'm really happy that you brought that up. So what we're going to to go into is kind of our opinions from a fan perspective and just a, a spectator of the league. Let's assess the first half of this 2017 season. Um, Just a few questions I'm going to ask you, you know, nothing too heavy, nothing too crazy. And everybody, you know, out there, if you want to chime in on the conversation, please do. You know where to find us on Twitter at the W podcast underscore and on Instagram at the W podcast. So let's jump right into it. Let's just, you know, reflect on the first half of the season and all the talent that we've seen so far. So I'm going to kick it off with the Minnesota Lynx and Los Angeles Sparks. The 2016 finals, people are pretty much calling it across the board, the best final series that ever was in 
the history of the WNBA. Just a few weeks ago, they finally had a rematch. So from October 21st until July, what? I'm not even sure the day. I know it was the first week of July. So it's like nine months in the making, nine months of anticipation. We've been waiting for this rematch. Do you think that game, which the Minnesota Lynx won at home, do you think that lived up to the hype of a WNBA Finals rematch? I don't think so for two reasons. Well, not just two reasons, but my two main reasons. Number one, it was the finals. Like the finals is always on a different level. There's all it, just a different atmosphere. It's a different kind of grit. It's a different type of uh, energy, right? Um, so the players were playing probably they were they were playing to leave it all on the floor like whatever they had left in them they were playing for that um like you said it was one of the best finals or if not it was definitely one it was definitely the best final series that i have watched since watching the WNBA. um it was just so exciting and riveting and you know edge of your seat nail biting from beginning to end so i don't think in the middle of the season that can be emulated now i think it should have been and i think i saw some other people uh mention this as well in during tip-off weekend players coming back this is their first game and they had especially like the links they had that taste in their mouth right if by the middle of the season they've had already had a couple of wins They've, you know, not well for the Minnesota, not a couple of wins, damn near everything. But they've, you know, they've already gotten to the groove of playing and competing and everything like that. I think off the gate, that should have been the game to see during tip-off weekend for the players to kind of pick up where they left off and, you know, settle unfinished business. Number two, ratings. If we're going to talk about ratings, I think that would have been a great way to bring in a lot of ratings that weekend because a lot of people, even people that may not be avid or regular WNBA followers, watched that game because it was just so good. But it was just like, and not to interrupt you, but you got to take into consideration mm -hmm. it was off weekend. The Minnesota Lynx were ready, but in consideration, LA still had some late arrivals. You know, Candace Parker was still overseas. Essence Carson was still overseas. Do you really think tip-off weekend would have been the best time to do that if all the players weren't there? NECA was still overseas, you know what I'm saying? Was it still the best time to do it in tip-off weekend or maybe just wait until that weekend when, or a good time when everybody was back and the jet lag was gone? Because then if Minnesota won, we'd be like, oh, well, the Sparks don't have all their pieces. Of course they're going to win. They don't have Candace Parker. Of course they're going to win. You know, then that would have been, been a discussion there. The ultimate goal at the end of the day is to have it where these girls don't have to play overseas. So that way they can come here during tip off and perform right. and do a great job and kick things off, you know, at a high level. Since you mentioned that, but maybe not just have it solely in the season, you know, because Candace has been back for a little while. Essence has been back for a little while. Let's say they come back, they came back the third week of the season, the fourth week, have it as soon as possible. Not like the same day they get back on, you know, in the States or wherever, but have it as soon as possible after give the fans some you know what they really want to see sooner instead of the middle of the season 
I like it. So we can come to the consensus that July wasn't the right time. We're not really sure wow. when the right day was, but we just know July wasn't the right time. Okay, we can come to that consensus. Okay. So pushing forward, which team's success has surprised you the most? Someone who came out of nowhere, a little bit of a dark horse, has all the X factors and has surprised you the most by their success? It's two teams. I've had a little bit of time to think about this. So I think it's two teams, Connecticut and Dallas. They, they're surprising everybody. I think with them, it's not necessarily their record. It's who they're beating. Like they were the ones who snapped Minnesota's win streak in half. You know what I mean? So I think when it counts against certain teams where it counts, like these are juggernaut type of teams and how they perform well and underneath those pressure that pressure in those circumstances i think they just come to their own they finally something clicked you know seeing john Cole jones really really come out of her shell and recognize how much talent she has or or whatever and to see it see it being shown on the court way more as well as jasmine thomas having hers there as well to contribute and just do a fantastic job you still have all the other pieces like alex bentley that are doing their thing so I, I'm just actually, no, I'm not even going to mention the other team. I'm just going to just completely go with Connecticut. Yeah, I don't even really think there's a discussion here at this point. We can kind of just drop it on a dime. But what I will note is that um, getting, getting John Cole Jones um, in the way that Connecticut's son did by giving up Chelsea Gray, which benefited the Sparks as well, but when you look at how they acquired John Cole Jones and how they strategically went after her, knowing her rebounding talent, knowing um, her scoring ability and how she's developed that into being like a lethal three-point shooter. Um, she is really a special talent. It's crazy. And she brings out the best of the other players. When you look at Jasmine Thomas, who's been kind of bouncing around the league a little bit in her seven years, Alyssa Thomas, who makes noise, Courtney Williams, like you said, Alex Bentley, that team is surprisingly stacked in their own kind of way. It's not a, it's not someone, there are no superstars, you can say. Janelle Gumake's out due to injury. Mm -hmm. So no superstars. You wouldn't look at them and be like, oh, yes, they're definitely going to be smacking people. But really, when you look at how unselfish they play, how well they close out games, it's like this is a very smart team. They have a very high basketball IQ, even to be so young. Um, but to be led by Jasmine Thomas, I think, in experience, is really what's starting to show for them. I love them. Their success has been to watch because their first five or six games were typical Connecticut style. We didn't see much of them. Like, okay, they're going to be at the bottom of the East. But right now, midway through the season, we can call this our midseason check-in. They're at number one. So their success has surprised me and also put a little tender spot in my heart in which way I'm going to go ahead and transition to which team have you grown to love? What's a team that maybe you weren't really a big fan of, didn't really follow, but this year has really piqued your interest a little bit. I didn't really follow Tulsa Shop Dallas that much, um, but they're growing on me. I like the girls on the team as far as like them being a young team, a young squad, and they're just coming out, proving a point that, you know, we may be young and, but they're doing their thing, you know, and seeing 
Skylar also get back into her all-star form of the ACL tear, kind of trying to come back from that. And I'm sure that took not just physical, but mental and emotional preparation as well. Like I said, that is a very scary injury. Um, so just seeing how they've come together down there, Glory Johnson as well, doing her thing this season, um, picking up from last year. I think, I think Dallas has impressed me. I know also talking to a couple of the players when they were here in New York as well and just getting to know them, even if it was like small conversation, kind of earth, relatable, all that stuff. Um, I like Dallas. I'm interested to see how Dallas continues to grow as their young squad matures. I think I'm going to go with the Sparks. But, you know, you know, defending WNBA champs, everybody's like, oh, of course you're going to love them now. But I love their grit. I love how they will outwork you. Um, even if all the pieces aren't necessarily flowing together, they know their talent. They know their go-to. I have, like, fallen head over heels for Neko Gumake as well. And her game and her progression, I really love to see. So I think Brian Agler's sparks have really found a nice soft spot in my heart. So hmm. that's a team I love, um, definitely. And, of course, you've got Candace Parker, who's night in and night out consistently really, really good. But then to see the progression of Chelsea Gray and who else? Essence Carson. Yeah, I mean, just so many good pieces that they have that are really grown together. So that's my lovable team. And we're almost done, so we're going to keep assessing the first half of the season. Which team has not yet met your expectations? Which team is like, eh, I thought you were going to be better than this. Get yourself together. I think everyone feels the same way about San Antonio. And simply put, I thought with them getting Kelsey Plum, I thought they were going to make some noise. I didn't know how far they were going to get in the season, but I definitely didn't expect them to be where they are in the season right now. That, honestly, is pretty disappointing. And also see her on social media talking about the basketball hate, gods hate her. And Montreal getting traded away and... They have the pieces. They have great players, but it's just like, like get it together. You have one of the best college players to probably ever play the game. You have Kayla McBride. You have the pieces. It's like, what are, what's going on? Yeah, at face value, the stars are quite disappointing. They actually just beat the Indiana Fever. The Indiana Fever is a really big disappointment, but personally and who I expected more from, I'd have to say the Seattle Storm. Right now, they're sitting right in the league. You have Jewel Lloyd. You have Brianna Stewart. You have Sue Bird. Three right. amazing players. You have Sammy Whitcomb was coming into her own as a shooter. Whatever they do on the road is bad. It's consistently bad. I think they're two and five on the road. And they're losing to some teams that they definitely should be beating. Um, losing to New York, uh, losing to Connecticut, losing to Chicago. Um, even in June, they had a lot of a lot of bad losses. I'm just like, get it together. I don't know what Coach Jenny is is really trying to trying to do there, or what exactly they they can't do. But I'm really starting to see looking at um, looking at their wins and losses column is that they're not losing by much. So clearly they're not closing out. Their second halves are very weak. They don't come out with a lot of intensity. Like I, Something about that break in starting the third quarter is really, really rough for them. 
And with that, I need to see more. I'm expecting more. I think they really have dropped the ball in terms of meeting my expectations. And last but not least, we got to talk about maybe a little bit of, of, of having a little bit of foresight. Which team do you think will have surge in performance after the all-star break? So after this little stretch of four days, a little bit of rest, a little bit of separation from the team, take some time to get yourself together. Who's going to come out the hardest? So who from this point on is going to finish on the highest note going forward? I think Minnesota. I think Minnesota's going to continue what they're doing, and they're going to – I think Minnesota just has to prove a point this year. They, that, they're definitely going to be in the – I think they're definitely going to be in the finals. <laughs> no slipping for the links. My personal opinion, I have to say the Mystics. And no, I'm not biased, y'all, because I started covering this year. I promise. <laughs> I promise. And it's really, it's really a tricky thing to say because Elena Deladon is now battling an injury. We don't really have a timetable for her. Coach T yesterday, Coach Mike Duvall, said that um expecting next week for her to suit back up. But she's not playing in the All-Star game. Taylor Hill, like I mentioned, is out for the season, who was their second leading scorer. But the way they rallied to beat Atlanta yesterday and come back from a 21 deficit in overtime to win was really something special. It was electric to see that team's chemistry come together. Their defense was like a fortress. I mean, Atlanta was rolling, 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 rolling in the first half. And you know how their their super quick pace is. Washington shut that down in the second half. And so to see that come together, even without Atlanta, even without Taylor, just just – Making use of the scoring options. Christy Tolliver, she's still good. She's still damn good. Washington has just got to capitalize on that. Because like we always talk about pieces and, and talent. The whole WNBA is full of talent. You just got to figure out exactly the right moves to make with them. Of course, staying healthy going forward, getting Elena Deladon back in the lineup. I like them. I like them going forward to finish a top of the East in in the standings by the time this is all said and done. So I'm thinking them at least at about number two or number three, because sometimes the sparks act a little funny. You'll never know if they're going to stay at two, if they're going to drop some. So can't go with Washington there. So what I'm going to ask you some more questions just to be, just to kind of wrap this up about our all-star weekend predictions here. Uh I know you and I had a conversation about this kind of previously. (laughs) But uh, what do you think about women getting above the rim and having a slam dunk contest? We talked about oh. making the weekend an entire event, like having all this theatrics around it. And I mean, what is all-star without a dunk contest? My question for you. I'm interested to see what it will look like. I would love to see a dunk contest. I really would. I think it'll be amazing because I think a lot of the ladies can dunk. I w- I'm interested to see like what kind of dunks the ladies would. I'm interested to see like what the league would do, like if they would kind of come up with different challenges for the girls to do. Like how would they, how would they switch it up? How would they make it unique to the WNBA? We're all used to seeing the dunk contest on the men's side, and they get pretty creative. 
I already could tell, like, in it, Candace Park is probably going to be in it. I know Gloria Johnson can dunk. And there's a bunch of girl, women I know that probably can, too. I think it'll be great for the fans because, you know, I know in a previous conversation that we had, we talked about, like, making the All-Star game a, an attraction for the weekend, like, making it, like, the place that you have to be, not just the game, but, like, something that takes over the city. And I think that'll be one activity that's one feature that'll just, like, beat. I'm going to say... I'm a slick say drop the rim to nine feet, let him wild out. Because we know we've seen Glory Johnson huh. dunk, we've seen Candace Parker dunk, but that doesn't mean I Maya Moore can dunk. I don't care what nobody says. I haven't seen mm-hmm. it yet. But Maya Moore can I feel like Maya Moore can windmill. We just gotta get her to the we just gotta get the rim to the right height. That would be amazing. That would be legendary to have a dunk right. contest on the women's league. If they put a last minute of it in there, I'm flying out to Seattle. That's crazy. Like, imagine, first of all, imagine the judges, the celebrity dunk judges. Lisa Leslie, of course, would be one. Right. You got to have her a little bit, but she definitely touched the rim. I think Lauren Jackson, she's huge. I know she she grazed the rim a couple times. Mm-hmm. Think of, like, the lineup of judges that you would have. And think of, like, the moves. You got to practice that. I mean, they got to go to their trainers and figure it out. But if they can do it, I feel like I can do it. Just give me a trampoline and drop it down to eight feet, and I got y'all. Forget that. Give me a Fisher-Price one, and I'll dunk on y'all all day. You lying. I'm not even going to let you. Get okay, I'm not Fisher-Price, but <laughs> I can't dunk, guys. I'm not. I'm 5'11", and I promise you, dunking is not something I'm going to start to do ever. Little, we can get one of them little goals that go on the back of your bedroom door and practice on those. <laughs> the nerve joints. However, one thing they are bringing back is a three-point contest for this WNBA All-Star game. And I'm excited. I'm excited because having different features, different cool contests and challenges for the players outside of the actual game and having more players participate because maybe some players that are good in certain things may not necessarily be an all-star in the actual big game and three-point contest. So participants are Sue Bird, Quigley, Jasmine Thomas, and my girl Sugar Rogers from New York. I was so hyped when she got voted placement and to be in the three-point contest because it's busy from the three-point line. I don't know if you remember when you came to New York. I'm not sure if that was one of the nights that she got hot or not, but when she gets hot, yo, her hand is on fire. Like, that girl can shoot from anywhere on the court, and she's a clutch shooter, too. So not just someone who just shoots any old time. Like, it's when it matters, when the game is on the line, when you're trying to change the the game she just has just this quick release and catch and just shoot and just she's everything i'm so excited for her and as you can hear yes i want her to win i gotta go with maya moore i'm picking maya to win she's actually the highest she has the highest three-point field goal percentage right now standing something crazy like that but it's quiet you know, it's not like a 
we don't see Maya Moore as like an automatic three-point shooter because she has so many other scoring options. You don't really see her as like, dang, it's got to be a guaranteed winner. But when you break it down, she's hot from behind the arch as well. So my, my vote is Maya. That's what I'm going with. Don't debate me. Maya's number one. I'm not. I just don't like talk. Sorry if Maya didn't win. And I love <laughs> Maya. I love Sugar her. She's one the- of my favorite. W- rock with Sugar, man. I am. like, And I think what makes me so excited for her is if you follow her, she's really just during the off season, just really conditioning herself, working out, getting herself better over the past few seasons. Now I think, you know, she's starting to kind of see the fruits of her labor and fans are starting to recognize her talent as well more. Of course, her fans always knew she was talented, but she gave my drift. Like, now fans are like, yo, we want to see Sugar. So congrats to her. I'm here for that. And y'all New York fans don't play. Like, no, nope, we don't. <laughs> I will forever reference my first time in Madison Square Garden because in front of those 11,000 people, it was crazy electricity. I've got to go back, definitely. So I'm looking like, yeah, any, if say if the All-Star game was in New York this year, sugar would win. Because y'all, all New Yorkers do not play about your sports teams. Uh, so let me tell you something. First of all, I took the whole week off of work just to just chill and just be in the, just be in the mix. Be in the mix. So I was I just literally every day <laughs> in the mix. Just it'll be so amazing. It'll be so good for the city too, because there's so much amazing things to do there. First of all, you know it's big on court, uh, community service, philanthropy. There are so many great organizations here based in the city that they can be, you know, an asset to during that weekend. I mean, it'll be just it'll just be so dope. Like they can have events all over the city. I would love to have it here, but I'm trying to go to Atlanta and check out Angel McCarthy's ice cream shop. So if they could have it at the <laughs> have an all star <laughs> game down there, just so I can get down to the shop, a press conference, something, something to get us down there. Just, just something. I know Minnesota put in their bid for 2018 for the all star game, so we'll see what happens with that. We'll see how that um pans out because you know their arena is going to be, I guess, fully renovated by then. So they would like to have the all star game at their new arena. What a dope, wouldn't that be a dope tip-off? Minnesota was great. We met in D.C. Okay. Um, it was in, we I went, We met in D.C. Did you go to Minnesota? Because if so, I remember seeing it all under construction. And they're like, oh, this is going to be the new massive arena for Minnesota's teams. But did we know I each other go. then? No, we didn't meet. Okay, guys, so let's fill you in. So we're part of this organization called National Association of Black Journalists, um, a.k.a. NABJ. We're in August, like end of July, early August, they have a conference. So me and Princess met at the conference last year in D.C. The year prior, they had their conference in, in Minneapolis. Did you, go to, did you go to Paisley Park? Did you go to Princess House? No, I didn't go. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, me either. What happened, guys, was the organization got an invitation from Princess Estate, like a private event, like a private party or whatever. So they have buses, but you have to sign up for the buses. But we didn't find out about it till probably like a couple of days, like probably a day or two before. 
please don't chop my head off. But I'm not the biggest Prince person. I respect his music. Music that I like. They do. There are plenty of classics. I think he's one of the greatest musicians of all time. But he wasn't my cup of tea. And gravitate and go by a Prince album. If his song is on the radio, I'm jamming to it. If I'm at a party or an outing and it comes on, I'm singing to it. But I didn't. I wasn't checking, like seeking him. That's in my house growing up. They didn't play Prince. They played Michael Jackson. You know what I mean? So I, I'm a Michael girl. When it got sold out, I think, no, the buses, I think I filled up or whatever. And I was just like, okay, whatever. And I just kind of brushed it off. I know that you had to leave your phone on the bus because you weren't allowed to bring cell phones onto the estate. And everyone thought, you know, they said the estate was beautiful. And I think he announced to the reporters, because, you know, it's a conference with nothing but journalists, reporters, media personnel, uh, personalities, stuff like that. Sure, you and I missed out on a blessing because that was like the last moment to see the legend Prince, but I said the same thing. I was, I'm not checking for Prince, yeah. like this little dude. All I know is when doves cry and party like it's 1999. Ain't nothing for me to do. <laughs> I know, exactly. And I was just like, oh, I don't check for him like that. And then he died the next year. But uh, yeah, that's our Minneapolis story. He was a huge Lynx fan, a huge Lynx and Timberwolves fan. I'm not sure if he was a Minnesota Vikings fan. Football. But apparently basketball was his story. Remember Charlie Murphy's story? RIP to him too. Oh my gosh. Remember Charlie Murphy's story? Like Prince was a huge basketball fan. Remember when the when the Lynx won their championship and he had a private party for them for the for them and the staff of the Lynx at his house. What? Like for for the Lynx, that must have been have been the ones in life um, opportunity and experience you know what i mean so rest in peace to prince oh, yeah. you know one of the greatest that we unfortunately lost entirely too soon r.i.p r.i.p to the legends man you know i actually checked out a game at the the target i think it's a target center if i'm not mistaken i'm the same arena as the uh Timberwolves. i did check out a game there great crowd electrifying game but then that's when they announced, I think, at the end of the season, that they were doing renovation. So Minnesota is a very cute city. It's cute. It's clean. It's super clean. Yeah, it's cute and it's quaint. You know, very convenient, very nice people. Um, the weather was nice when we were over there as well in the summer, which was pretty good. So if they were to have an all-star game, um, obviously deserve it because those fans are, like, one of the most loyal, rowdy fan bases that that's you know in the league um and it's okay i think it'll be a good city to host an event like that however if atlanta is an option just saying but for now we're gonna shout out everybody who was in seattle this weekend we're extremely jealous but enjoy the wnba all-star game if that's where you're headed key arena july 22nd do not miss all the festivities. Do not miss all the fun. It is WNBA All-Star Weekend. What are you watching the game at? Probably the last year been on my phone. I don't know where I'm going to be this week. I'm probably going to be working, to be honest. So I might have to hit a, a good live stream and call it a day. Boring, right? Aww. <laughs> but you know what? You hustle hard. <laughs> Save your coins so that way next year we will be either in Atlanta, Minnesota, or wherever the game is going to be. I know. We pull up on it. We'll be doing live streams from the game. 
What? Listen, pay attention, guys. Right, stay woke. Exactly, stay woke. (laughs) Stay woke and stay tuned in to the W Podcast. This concludes episode eight. We hope you enjoyed all of our assessment of the first half of the season, predictions for the All-Star Games, a little rundown of the rosters and, and the coaching changes, things like that. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the W Podcast. Take us out, Lo. So once again, guys, uh, thank you for tuning in. If you want to reach out to us, follow us on our social media platforms at the W Podcast. Specifically on Twitter, we are at the W Podcast underscore. If you have any questions, any ideas, any guests you want us to try to have, because we are working on getting some guests soon. We have a couple of things in the works. Um, if there's anything you want to talk about or you want us to discuss on the show, um, email us cast at gmail.com. So for all of you guys that are going to Seattle, please first and foremost travel and be safe. Have fun. Make the most out of this memory because it's definitely a once-in-a-lifetime once opportunity. And as far as the song that we're going to go out to this week. What are we, how are we going to leave our fans this week? Who are you in the mood to listen to? We have not yet talked about Beyonce revealing the twins. And you know, I love me some B. Did you see her snapback? Can we talk about it a month later? <laughs> Her snapback, it was the most disrespectful. It wasn't the most disrespectful. Tiana Taylor's was. Her snapback, though. After having that big old baby. (laughs) Tiana Taylor's baby is so cute. I love her. She is life. She is such a baby Iman and Tiana. Beyonce had two people. (laughs) And her stomach is gone. Like, what? Must be nice. What song? Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna go with Queen B. My stomach is still here. <laughs> with no whole people. <laughs> what are we doing? A, no one is in here. Let's see. So we're gonna pick Beyonce. Okay, since it's WNB All Star Weekend, let's do a little girl power. Let's pick independent women. So yeah, let's go Destiny's Child, super classic. Destiny's Child, independent woman? Yeah, sounds good. All right. That's what we're leaving y'all with this week. Again, thank you so much for the support. As always, reach out to us. We love you guys. And with my girl Drew. See you next week. Cameron D and Destiny. Charlie's Angels. Come on. Come on. Question, tell me what you think about me. I buy my own diamonds and I buy my own rings. Only ring your belly when I'm feeling lonely. When it's all over, please get up and leave. Question, tell me how you feel about this. Try to control me, boy, you get dismissed. Pay my own funnel and I pay my own bills. Always 50-50 in relationships. The shoes on my feet, I love the clothes I'm wearing. I love the ride I'm riding. Oh, my God, I depend on me.
down like that. Girl, I didn't know you could get down like that. Charlie, how your angels get down?